0: People have opinions without being fully informed Trust
1: me, I'm a Canadian here I don't care if you're a Christian, Messianic, or Hebrew roots I want to know if your theology is biblical
0: Maybe I'm right, of course I'm right
1: If you're going to cite a source, be responsible You know, cite your source mm-hmm.
2: You're goes to
1: college Hey, we're just having a conversation. There's only 36 people listening anyway, right? You can Google it. Wow, at what
0: point does history matter? At what point does truth matter?
1: An alien invasion. Is it biblical? Of course it is. Look, there's a way to do scholarship and a way not to do scholarship. you got to set your source. Who's your source? My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows his kid is going with the girlfriend. And that about sums it up. What up and shalom, welcome to the Rob and Caleb show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Heg, and with me, of course, Rob Banhoff. What up, Rob? Sorry, sorry to our listeners out there who uh, heard the, <laughs> the sound problems that we had in the very beginning. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but looks like it's fixed. So we're happy about that yeah technology Woo-hoo. okay so uh yeah okay sorry about to anyone who can't can't hear us but it uh, looks like there are people in uh youtube who can hear us so yeah okay well that's the joys and and uh the ups and downs of of technology today rob how you doing man sorry uh that that threw me off in the beginning but now i'm, I'm hey, back all right how's it going I'm excited i got
0: uh my
1: my basic initial
0: draft and some refinement on my Galatians presentation and got that in because that's one where they asked, uh, can you send to the moderator or there's a
1: respondent. This is for your so, Galatians.
0: Uh, yeah, paper. so for uh, the I think it was last December they sent out the call for papers and then they picked four papers um, and I'm really humbled and honored that they chose mine so that uh, I'm one of the four and then there's going to be
1: a respondent. So, um, anyway, hang on. When I, now, doctor- now let's 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 uh, paint the picture for people who have never been to an ETS or an SBL. Basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be this room. And it's going to be on a Tuesday, so there probably won't be a ton of people. I mean, it might. you never can tell. But the room will probably be, I don't know, we're going to say maybe 30, 40 people in this room. And there's going to be a table up front, and there's going to be five people at the table, and then a moderator, so really six people at the table. And what's going to happen is the moderator will welcome get up to the session. Yeah, he'll, he'll welcome to the session, doing. and then uh, our first paper is done by this person, and that person will give their response, their their paper, and 20 then minutes 20, plus twenty minutes, twenty minutes discussion, yeah. then ten minutes discussion, and then the uh, moderator will introduce the next person, so on and so forth, until all four people are done. Then what's going to happen is the respondent is going to get up and totally slaughter. He's got the everything. Stick. Yeah, everything. He's already pre-planned how he's going to dissemble. in advance, given him. Yeah, he's and, all he, our, and he's. He gonna, sees our he sees our plans, right? And, he knows and, our and, and very politely, he's going to say Rob Van Hoff is a total idiot because and then, he's not going to use those words. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's and no. It's 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 really
0: great. It's a, a, such a privilege and an honor. I'm. No matter what, I'm going to come away learning, and that's the point. But it's Dr. Uh, Daniel Ulucci, I believe is how you say it, uh, Ulucci at uh, Rhodes College, mm-hmm. who's uh, done some wonderful scholarship on uh, early Judaism, early Christianity, and uh, it. I'm. This is like really uh, an exciting opportunity. So, uh, I'm.
1: Can I tell you um, can I tell you where I am so uh, you know I'm I started writing my thesis uh, I don't know maybe a year ago and, and it's been a lot of research while at the same time um, you know trying to write finding your idea yeah yeah um, and one of the things that I didn't do, which I should have done and this is that you know thesis writing 101 for anyone who ever is going to write a thesis, one of the things you want to do is write down an outline of your thesis in the beginning so that you can see okay these are the points i'm going to make and now here here we go well i'm just now going to write down my <laughs> this is how uh, you know out of out of step i am i'm just now going to write down my my outline of my thesis and what's what i've realized is that my thesis initially i had ideas of what it was going to be now it's kind of moved into different directions it's still the same point i'm still making the exact same point But as I've researched, I've realized there's all these other avenues that I have to address because I didn't realize, oh, well, I'm going to have to – you know. and for instance, the portion that I'm in right now is the liturgical tradition of the words of institution. So the words of institution are do this in remembrance of me. And basically every scholar in the world will tell you who's ever done uh, uh, Eucharistic studies, which is essentially what we're talking about and what I'm talking about in my thesis. They're going to tell you that uh, these words of institution are actually part of a liturgy and that both Paul and, uh, and Luke uh, inserted a liturgical tradition into what they're writing. So can I show you the two books that I just received?
0: Oh, yeah. Let's, let's see them.
1: So this is what I am uh, reading right now. First is uh, by Maxwell E. Johnson. This is uh, a standard textbook. It's called The Rites of Christian Initiation. And I just started, I'm like two pages in good size book. And this is really, uh, this is really a very interesting, uh, I'm already, I'm already learning things from this. So basically he's talking about, you know, okay, Christianity, Christianity, quote marks for those in the, on the radio, Christianity is a, uh, you know, is a religion and established religion now. And now people are coming into that religion. How are they initiated into Christianity? So that's number one. And then this one is really the one that I'm uh, excited for. I had to read Johnson's book, uh, The, the Rights of Christian Initiation, first before I get to this. Johnson uh, co-authored with uh, Paul Bradshaw. Paul Bradshaw is probably one of the leading voices in liturgical studies, Christian liturg- liturgical studies, uh, that's alive today. And is they he at co- Notre Dame? No, he's, um, well, cause he co he
0: co wrote the book on Passover and Easter origins of Passover and origins of Easter with, um, uh, Lawrence Hoffman, I think it is. And that's where the Israel Yuval that's like, I met Israel Yuval at a conference. Bradshaw's, Bradshaw's,
1: Bradshaw's no, no joke. He's, he's certainly yeah. probably, I would consider him the, the uh, top scholar in, in uh, Christian liturgical studies to, uh, that's alive today.
0: And the parallel for Jewish studies would be a guy named Lawrence Hoffman. I think it's H-O-W-F-F-M-A-N. But they've worked together because they both are heavy into the development of ritual tradition and litur- liturgy in both Jewish and Christian history.
1: The, the interesting thing about bradshaw is that he do, I thought he was just going to tote the common Christian line the common Christian line is we see the liturgy or the Eucharist show up in acts two he doesn't which is interesting
0: right he's 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 bringing um history bradshaw's going to bring a historical Well, look at it, their evolution. So the very fact he's using the word evolution in the subtitle.
1: So the book that I'm holding up for those on the radio is The Eucharistic Liturgies, Their Evolution and Interpretation by Paul Bradshaw and Maxwell Johnson. I am so excited to read this book, and I've already read uh, some of Bradshaw. Uh, And you're right, he is. Bradshaw is at the University of Notre Notre Dame. I stand corrected. Um, So, yeah, Catholic, I'm sure. Um, anyway, so I'm very excited to read those and this is going to be my reading material at the ETS and SBL.
0: Wow. So you're taking books to Boston.
1: I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Watch out. Rather than coming, you'll come home with more, I'm sure. Oh, I, I, I sure hope so. Okay. Well, welcome everyone who's in the chat room. We got a good showing in the chat room today and, uh, and we're happy to see everybody there. Welcome to everybody out on Torah Resource Radio. For those who don't know, I mean, obviously, the people listening to the radio know, but for those who don't know, Torah Resource Radio switched back to our original for- format. And so it's uh, lectures, teachings, um, shows, uh, Bible studies, Bible readings, and uh, then also music in between. And that's uh, so that's our original format, and we're back to that format. And, um, yeah, so I encourage everyone to listen to tourresource.com. You can do that by going to trradio.com and clicking the play button. Um, And we are working on on reformatting uh, the schedule page and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, interesting things to come. And also we're going to uh, redo the app, which we hope to have an initial app out very soon. Um, and I should say that uh, the Robin Caleb Show is brought to you by TorahResource.com. Torah Resource is a wonderful place to find all sorts of great things. We make every product that we produce we make available for free in some format at some point, and um, we run specials all the time on the on the materials that we do actually. Uh, sell and so, uh, but you can find all sorts of free stuff and free resources at TorahResource.com. And of course, uh, the Rob and Caleb show is also brought to you by the generous support of our listeners. If you would like to help continue to, uh, the Robin Caleb show on, you can help us by going to Torah Resource and donating to uh, just pressing the donate button. And if you do that, I would encourage you to put into the notes. Uh, at checkout that, uh, you listen to the Rob and Caleb show. We always really, really, really appreciate hearing, uh, from people who, uh, listen to the show and, uh, you know, are benefit from it. So yeah, we, we are, uh, we're thankful for all of our listeners. What are you looking for over there, Rob? I see you, uh, no, I'm, 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 I got something to cover up
0: part of my monitor just so reduce the, the glare, that monitor glare on my eyes. Yeah. It's kind of,
1: okay, let's get to it. Um, let's get straight to it. Well, I think that, first of all, what we have to do is we need to address... Oh, I I did not open up my show notes. Um, give me just a second here. What? I know. I'm as prepared as I am for today, I didn't open up my show notes. Okay, here we go. So uh, last week we did a show, and show 194, and this is show 195 for those, obviously, for those who can count. Um, and as
0: we get to... T- I don't know if it's going to be till 200, but Caleb is working on a new... Um, Introductory music show starter. So right. stay tuned for that. That's right.
1: Now we've uh, we've read things from this uh, this person before. Uh Manim for Yeshua, one hundred and forty-four thousand. Uh Manim for Yeshua has <laughs> uh, he, he's been upset at us before. He's also agreed with us before and uh, he kinda skirts the line between loving love and hate. Um and speaking of love and hate, uh, for those who would like to, you can uh, give us a call. Tell us how much you love us or hate us. You can do that at 253-465-3205. That's our comment line. It's just a, a recording. Um, so, yeah, call us and tell, tell us what you think. So this this person, Manim for show, he left a, a comment on show one forty. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, 194 rather. And this is what he said. He said, uh, What caused, for those who didn't tune into 194, we discussed the Reformation, right? We were continuing on our discussion of the Reformation and uh, some of the effects that the Reformation had and Luther, these kind of things. Uh, and so, Manim for Yeshua says, uh, What caused the Reformation? the Reformers to miss or reject Torah for sanctification, though? Eventually, we know the embers cooled and people got comfortable. In denominations, then only a precious few hungered for more. I guess that could be a whole other show topic. Okay, well, I wrote back and I said, well, you know, I, I don't like these broad generalizations a lot of the time. Now, we all make them. I I make broad generalizations a lot of the time as well. And actually, Rob is very good at catching me on these. Um, So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, down Manim for Yeshua in this. Uh, We all do it. But, uh, you know, when we make these broad uh, generalizations, it makes it hard to actually have these kind of conversations. You know, the reformers, a lot of the reformers really hungered for the the truth of the word. And this is what brought about reformation to reform something right uh what they were reforming was the catholic church essentially and you know the holy spirit was working to to um, make these men really thirst for truth and seek after truth and this is what brought about that reform and so i wrote back and i said what part of torah are you talking about the reformers agreed that they should be keeping the sabbath Luther proclaimed the Sabbath was Saturday, not Sunday, although he was fighting more the authority of the Pope at that point. The Baptist Confession of 1689 says that the Sabbath is still in act, although they believed it was on Sunday. Spurgeon rejected the celebration of Christmas, as did most Reformers until the 1900s, and all of the Reformers agreed that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves. I reject the idea that the Reformers, or even many within the modern Christian church, Have rejected the Torah; they have rejected parts of it, but as a whole, they keep much of it. Um, I think that one of the things that we're that I'm going to argue today, uh, as we go on in the show, is that the Reformation is still happening today, and that we see a huge part of that within the Torah movement, Uh, and that uh, part of the Torah part of the Reformation now is the Torah movement. Uh, coming along and realizing the part of uh, the Reformation of sanctification, what sanctification is. So we're moving on into the things. The unfortunate part is that that pendulum has swung now uh, in terms of some of the aspects of, you know, uh, the doctrines of grace and whatnot, which we're going to talk about here with our movie review in just a few moments. And so uh, Menem for Yeshua wrote back, and this is this is really the, the comment that we're trying to get here, get to here. He says, So I asked him, what part of the Torah? He says, the part of the Torah that sticks out the most, they never wore fringes, ate kosher, put any special emphasis on selling in the land of Israel or its agricultural Shemitah. uh, I'm sorry, settling in the land of Israel or its agricultural Shemitah years. Kept a 50-year yovel, kept the Moedim, circumcised, blue shofar, uh, prayed or hoped for the rebuilding of the temporal Mikdash, observed Nida. That's the purification for women. I'm not sure how they would do that. Uh, with no temple standing, grew out their beards as a matter of obligation for men. Which uh, there was a discussion on this, and uh, I think that this is this cannot be proven from Torah oh. anyway. war tef- uh, tefillin, etc., and a bunch more slipped my mind. Which, while not as all important as love uh, of God and neighbor as oneself, are definitely Torah. If Shabbat was mutable enough to change to a Sunday and in modern churches to forget about entirely, it manifestly was never that essential in the first place. There's about 613 of them, give or take. And if this is the reckoning of Torah, then they have not been Torah observing. Let us not even get into the oral Torah, rabbinic whole, but the rabbinic, uh, rabbinic whole, but dot, dot, dot. There is something I'm beginning to hate about Torah resource, and that is the Tor- that Torah observance can be virtually 100% whitewashed of its characteristically Jewish form and still be Torah observance just as well. I'm sorry, but that's just hateful. To me, that is dumbfounding and increasingly offensive, and I'm not even Jewish myself. Okay. So this last part is what wow. well, re- I, I, I
0: appreciate that he had the, you know, I mean, he's like, hey, I'm going to be bold. I'm just going to say what I feel. You know, that's important.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that I've realized in the past, uh, you know, there's been things going on that we don't share on the show and uh, won't share on the show. Um, but the. Uh, there's been one thing that I've realized is that hu- humans, including myself, humans naturally and I think Paul taught this too naturally we have feelings, and these feelings, they don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. If your feelings don't go with what the scriptures say, your feelings don't matter. What matters is the scriptures. You know, if you think that uh, one thing is one way, Caleb, or- how do you feel? About that. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I know what you mean. The, uh, uh, but, okay, so let's uh, let's look at what uh, what he says. There's, uh, oh, hang on just a sec. In the chat room, somebody says, what's the symbol on Caleb's shirt? Tetragrammaton. No, it is not. It is Yeshua. And this is a shirt from one of our sponsors, Yeshua Shirts. dot Yeshua Yeshua Shirts. Shirts. com. Go to YeshuaShirts.com and buy all your merchandise that says Yeshua on it so that you too can start a conversation. Okay. And women, children, and even hoodies and hats now. That's right. That's right. Okay. So uh, let's go back. I want to read this one more time. There's something I'm beginning to hate about Torah resource. And that is the Torah observance can be virtually 100% whitewashed of its characteristically Jewish form. There is nothing characteristically Jewish about the Torah. You're right. I don't think that the Torah is Jewish at all. I think it's 100% not Jewish. It was given to the Jewish people. And what was it given to the Jewish people to do? Not to be theirs only, not for them to keep and have them have it be theirs, but to take to the nations, to give to the nations so that they could see the Messiah Yeshua through it. The Torah is God's culture. It's not Jewish culture. It's God's culture. And we know this from being able to look at Israel today, go to Israel, walk into Tel Aviv and tell me that the culture there is Torah. It's not just because the people, just because you God's have
0: Jewish people, yeah, right? Jewish people it,
1: it, it. that were chosen. What were they chosen to do? They were chosen to take the, and let's go to the scriptures. This is in your show notes, by the way, Romans three, one through two, Paul tells us specifically, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. Not that, the, that God made oracles because of who they were, or that their culture brought forth the oracles of God. No, God had his oracles and gave it to the people. And what was that for? Isaiah 49, 6. He says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the pre- pres- uh, uh, the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So the light goes to the nations. It's not that Israel keeps it and it's only theirs and you have to be, you know, and the... Uh, you have to be Jewish to be able to enjoy it. The culture that comes from Torah is God's culture.
0: You know, just this morning, I was having coffee with a good friend and we were reading Habakkuk chapter one in Hebrew. And uh, Habakkuk chapter one is when the, pro- this is right at the end of the first temple period, right? Right at the end of Solomon's temple. And he knows Babylon's coming and is going to destroy it. And he knows why. He says the, the, the Torah has become, um uh tafug Torah is what it says it it means has become uh weak or has become muted and that the the Mishpat judgment does not go out to its end because the 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 judges are wicked and corrupt and they're they're um preventing God's revealed word his law from actually affecting society and so the the poor and the, the you know the marginalized are not getting justice that God's law demands. Why? Because the judges are in the way, and this is part of the crisis that Habakkuk uh, is is praying about. How long, O oh Lord? Right, and so we could pause right there at the end of the first temple period. So David's already been here. Solomon, all the kings of Judea. Uh, and the northern kingdom's already been wiped out by the Assyrians, and you have Habakkuk saying, look, God's Torah is not being taught by the Judean judges themselves. So that means for him, the Torah, would, would Habakkuk say the Torah is, has Jewish characteristics? Well, you would, you would have to say, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Well, no, he, ultimately Habakkuk would say, no, it's God's Torah, and that the the Jews who have been in charge are uh, accepting bribes they're um, they're having re- showing respect of persons, and so righteousness is not being actually um, legislated so that the righteous actually get vindicated and the wicked actually get condemned. rather, you have the wicked getting justified, right you have um, people who are criminals and should go to uh you know, pay the penalty are actually um, getting off. And that right there is a picture of you could say the same complaint there. You could go in Habakkuk's time. And he's like, where's the Torah? Well it's not this it's not about this uh, putting an ethnic name on it. It's God's revealed word and his will and the people of
1: God acting in accordance to it. Now is, that's a- is that's not to say that the, that the Jewish people don't have an advantage. Paul says it right there in Romans 3.1, right? Their advantage is much in every way, that they were given the oracles of God. <clears throat> in other words, they hold the oracles, and they are now supposed to take them out to the nations. And they're, and they're accountable they're, for it. Right. The, it this, shows, is, right. this is an advantage. I'm not trying to downplay the importance of the chosen people of God. That is, Israel taking the tour to the nations. But believers can then attach themselves to Israel. I mean, Rob and I have talked many times about the idea that we have. It's not replacement theology. We don't believe in replacement theology. We believe in enlargement theology, right? That is that... I will gather more to them that are gathered exactly yeah okay let's move on to our main topic and I know that we had some problems in the beginning so uh, I don't even know where our show timers at right now we're probably somewhere around 25 minutes but that's just fine Um, so let's move now to you know what can I say one more thing of course you can because one of the
0: comments that was there was they didn't even um, long for the for the rebuilding of the temple well that's that's like I mean we could go one by one through the, his criticisms, but that's not really fair it, that's not a, a I, I disagree with that characterization is what I mean by that is Yeshua's disciples understood the temple's destruction as god's judgment and they were looking for his return they they did not they put his return and their hope for his return ahead of everything else so that uh, Yeshua's return trumped any idea of wanting to join in and, and build the temple again. I think that's an important thing because they saw it as a, a very severe judgment. The actual fulfillment of Yeshua's, his, Yeshua himself gave the prophetic word concerning that in advance. Whereas believe, uh, or, uh, Jewish non-believers in Yeshua didn't, they might have seen the temple as God's judgment, but not with reference to Yeshua or they might have seen the temple's destruction as uh Roman wickedness and they, you know you know they probably could have interpreted it different ways depending on their theological bent but the disciples of Yeshua had no they couldn't interpret it any other way they why, why would a disciple of Yeshua try to interpret the destruction of the temple other than yeah. the simple fulfillment of Yeshua's words and that until you know like the end of Matthew 23 you know until you say, "Blessed be He who comes in the name of the Lord," you will not see me. You know, um, that was their their heart's cry, and their mission was to take take it out, like you pointed out, Caleb. Anyway, just a one little side point.
1: Okay, let's move on to our main topic because this actually could take quite some time. There is a uh, a filmmaker named Les. And I'm gonna butcher his last name, and I apologize to the, to uh, to Les for this. His last name, I think, is Lanphier? Landfier, Lanphier? I don't know. Um, he's a filmmaker, and uh, he's also a Calvinist, and he uh, embarked on a project. I believe it was crowdfunded. Yeah, uh, it was
0: Kickstarter. They uh, had like, oh, if you watch to the end, more Kickstarter, and then they have it. Sh-t. Even oh, really? more Kickstarter, yeah. So Kickstarter was a big, uh, so so great. They put uh, it they, organizing. Tool. They put
1: it up on Kickstarter, and this is how he funded this documentary. The documentary was is called Calvinist, and it is now available. And for those who receive our show notes, uh, it's in um, uh, a link to this is in your show notes. Um, and if you uh, if you don't subscribe to our show notes, which you should do by going to Torahresource.com, hovering over the radio tab, and going down to the Robin Caleb Show, and then there's a sign up form on there to receive our show notes. But if you don't, you can just put in Calvinist movie into a Google search and you will find it right away. Um, and. So uh Rob and I both watched it this this week. Uh I watched it essentially uh one and a half times. I kind of went through it a second time. Um and so we wanted to talk about this, this is a uh an interesting uh, I think it's uh I mean initial thoughts, let me let me just say this. There is no doubt that less is a professional at what he does. This movie is incredibly well done. Oh yeah, well, agreed. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, editing, the cinematography, the uh, uh, everything about it. The, the anim- audio,
0: the music was well done. Everything.
1: The J J something.
0: I don't. Sorry, I don't remember the name.
1: Even their performers. Um, uh, you know, I I watched a behind the scenes thing on uh, their cello player who came in and donated the time to end the and the performance. She was fantastic. Uh, and I've you know I've played the cello for thirty years, and and uh, she was she's no joke. You know they they did very they did very well. The production of this movie is uh, I I have not seen a better documentary uh, about anything Christian. I don't think ever it it, it really was that well done. It, it, he's certainly a professional. Um, and so just for the production value alone, uh, whether or not you know, and once a, for those who might not know. Rob and I hold to the doctrines of grace, which is often called Calvinism, um, and I, I accept that. I, I I accept that term. I'm a five point Calvinist. Uh, this is for those who don't know. Within the Messianic and the Hebrew Roots movement, we are like the the odd guys out. Right now, there's a growing number of people within uh, within the Torah movement that are coming to uh, believe in the doctrines of grace, and um, and I think that that's that's excellent. Uh, but within the Messianic, the Hebrew Roots movement, we are certainly the minority, big time minority. Um, so whether or not you agree with the doctrines of grace or not, this movie is certainly worth watching. And um, I've I went and I took the time to look at a review. I, this is also in your show notes, a review by Dr. Flowers, who is an ex-Calvinist, um, and he reviewed this movie as well. Interesting review. The review itself was very interesting. Uh, it seems like he got stuck kind of in a rut uh, and spent uh, a significant port about 25 minutes of his time, was dedicated to his idea that <clears throat> that Les was, whether he knew it or not, was attempting to um, paint Arminian theology subtly. He was subtly trying to paint Arminian theology as um, these people who... Are, have bad theology and don't really, uh, uh, you know, they're they're. which it was so subtle that I would have never thought that I, uh, you know, I see what he's, I see his points now that he brings them up. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway, so let's get into this a little bit. Overall, I mean, I'll tell you right off the bat, and this is a little backwards from what we normally do with movie reviews, what Rob and I normally do with re- movie reviews is we'll talk about everything. And then we'll, um, and then we'll, then we'll give you our our final rating of what we think it it was. I'm gonna do it differently. I'm gonna give you the initial rating at the beginning, and the reason why is because basically what what I'm gonna say about this film is I thought this was like an A, and a straight A. It wasn't an A minus. It wasn't an A plus. It was an A, and uh, and that's a very high rating for me. That's like four and a half stars you can hardly get a better rating on a movie from me. Um, I I can't even think of a movie that I'd give five stars to. Um, and especially theologically, because people are always going to have theological differences, right? Overall, I thought this movie was a huge win. I think it's very well done. I think uh, it put forward uh, the theology in a way that was very understandable, even for a younger audience and, uh, and and on all of these levels, I thought it was excellent. And I would encourage anyone, whether you believe in the doctrines of grace or not, to take a look at this movie. I think I think it's it's really a, a, it's a win. It, he definitely did well. Um, but the reason that I'm going to give you the rating up front, my opinion of the rating, is because now we're going to talk about all the things that we didn't like about it. <laughs> and so i want you to know this is not to put down the movie as a whole in fact i I, take this as a shining review uh, a wonderful review of this movie i highly recommend buying it i think that uh congregations could watch it together i think that it's i think it's a it's very worth the money to rent and or buy i bought it and i would encourage other people to do the same that's my review of the movie Mm. what about you rob what do you think I
0: liked the movie. I would probably give it, I would say a B plus or maybe an A minus. Okay. I agree concerning production value and the music and the sound editing um, and the, the graphics, right? They did a great job. They went to multiple locations to yeah. reach a diverse audience of, you know, they, as we know, they didn't, they didn't, uh, I don't think they, they didn't really interview any, Armenians, but they did show clips, for example, of Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland, and I'm trying to remember if there are others. Rob Bell, <laughs> Rob Bell, um, Brian McLaren, and this is so this. Okay, so wait, hang did, on, just like no, those were not; those weren't direct interviews. Those were clips, clips. from produced
1: uh, products from those different. And this ministries. this is actually uh, Doctor Flowers' criticism of it. Is that his biggest criticism in the whole thing wasn't I mean obviously he's a, he holds Armenian theology so he doesn't agree with this you know and I'm sure he has other teachings on why Armenian theology he, is right Yeah he
0: doesn't like the way they characterized Armenian it uh, Well
1: what he says is you know you got these guys like Rob Bell I mean this doesn't care you know like this yeah, yeah this right, is not right. this is not representation of good uh, Armenian theologies is his Also
0: they portrayed Armenianism as a step back to medieval catholic catholic theology right they basically said you armenians are really like catholics and in not in that short of a bite but they said basically that's what he was trying to do um even though maybe he hadn't thought it through so um so
1: maybe he had thought it through yeah that's true too i mean honestly where does the idea of i mean he correlates he he shows why I, i mean very briefly, but I think he shows why he believes that.
0: Right. right. Where did the Reformation come so from? Let me, let me from?
1: continue with my, yeah, my review. If – so
0: we th- we might show it to a group of people. And if we do, we would probably skip parts. Parts or part? Uh, part. Oh Well, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again to, to, to remember. But there are parts I think that are valuable. There are parts where they cite the scripture – like for example, there's a segment where they have a great sermon by John Piper, and he's citing Genesis.
1: Oh, think I just said. Well, wait, we have this clip, so I mean, oh, are we
0: use. I didn't know we were using these
1: clips. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, don't so, jump so anyway, the clips. I'm just looking for an overall review first. I would say B plus, A minus.
0: I think that there are major, very well um, uh, stated points uh, along the way, and one of the key ones is. Which came first, you know, regeneration or faith. Is faith a gift? For, does God activate faith in our life, or are we the originators of faith? And, and the way this movie portray, uh, that's the way this m- movie portrays that, situ- that question, is that d- is it something we do, or is it something that God puts in us and, and we're regenerated, and then as a fruit of that seed happens? And the Calvinist movie says of that problem, uh, when you couch it in that terms, the Calvinist says that God acts, God regenerates somebody, and then fruit starts to grow from that point. Um, and that it's a one-way ticket. I, I mean, it's one of the, one, the rapper Shy Lin is on there, and he says without, he explicitly says this is without the permission of the person. God doesn't consult just and the like is likened to Lazarus just like Yeshua didn't consult with Lazarus to get his permission to raise him from the dead, that that is the important model. And, and, um, now it might be that like Dr. Flowers will disagree with that characterization. He says, Oh, you're mischaracterizing Armenianism." Well, maybe that is the case in his eyes. But I think that to me, there's, I, I can't dismiss that, uh, picture. So that, that point comes along strong and the future of the one Torah movement in my pers- in my opinion, is going to be built off that conviction. If someone does not have that core conviction, that righteousness is by faith, and that faith is is the fruit of the regeneration of God by the power of his, his will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and through the preaching of who Yeshua is, the preaching of the gospel, then there's no future for the one Torah movement.
1: So, no. so I, I would take away that as... It's hang on just a sec. But you said you said you would skip parts. I'm going to show this to a group as well. By the way, I'm not going to skip anything. In fact, well, okay, I'm, I'm, in fact, I would, I, just the, the opposite. Uh, well, yeah, but hang on just a sec. But but you know what? The, the confession part, and we, we have a clip of this. Um, the confession part, and we'll talk about this when we get to it. I would play that because I think it's a good thing to talk about and a good thing to discuss. Okay. I don't think it's worth skipping. Um, okay, let's start. Let's start with the uh, first criticisms. And what I did was I pulled. I saw. Uh, Rob sent me a list of his criticisms. Actually, he, uh, I think he sent me five criticisms in total, maybe six. Out of all of those, uh, he actually asked me to clip three or four of the of the clips that I already had on my list. So oh, outside cool. of the clips that uh, that you chose, I only have one clip that I w- wanted to take and then I took a clip from Flowers as well. So let's listen to some of these clips. Um, We'll go in order, starting with yours first. So we'll start with yours, we'll get your criticisms, and then uh, we'll go from there. Here's the first one. This is uh, a portion, we'll set this up a little bit. This is a portion, they're going to talk about, um, they're gonna use Isaiah 51 as their their source text here uh, to make their point. Let's listen to it.
2: So remember what you were like
0: Isaiah says, look to the pit from which you've been digged. Remember how corrupt you were, how selfish you were, how you clung to salvation by man if you believed in salvation at all. Be as patient with them as God was patient with you.
1: Okay, so what's your criticism of this? Why, why do you, oh, okay, why do you, you find know, this?
0: Sadly, I, I, normally, you know, I'm big on sight and sources. And obviously we know this is in the... I can tell you where it is in the movie. Um, this is at 52 minutes in, almost 53 minutes in. But... I failed in that I didn't get the name of this person voice. Cause remember there's multitude of voices. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, you have to watch the movie, but I, I can tell you where it is. This is one of the voices pro Calvinist. Of course he is citing Isaiah 51 to say, look where Isaiah says, look to the pit from which you were dug. He interprets that as saying, look at your depraved state, acknowledge your depraved state and that how you were trying to earn your own righteousness. And now you're not there anymore. Um, and so, this is a complete misreading and misapplication of Isaiah 51. Um, and that stuck out. And I'm like, why would he even do that? That lessens the movie to me. It totally lessened the movie. And uh, this is, if you look at Isaiah 51, he says, Look to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, to the quarry from which you were dug. So the rock and the quarry. And then it says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. It's a poem. He was, he was one, and I called him. I blessed him and multiplied him. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. Her wilderness will be like Eden. Her desert, like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and sound of a melody. Okay, this is about... God's promise to Abraham and trusting in God's promise. Looking to the rock means looking to Abraham. Looking to the the pit means look to Sarah. Meaning it's not it's not a picture of look at how depraved you are. It's look he says, look at how I chose one person and I have a plan, and trust me. Right, that's the message here. It's not one of depravity. I I don't see Isaiah fifty one one through three in any way. Like the way you – you if you wanted to quote Isaiah, you'd go to later in, I think it's at 59, my righteousness was a filthy rags or something like that. You know, go to one where it actually means that. So that was a – what I would consider a, a – An
1: error in, a, in reference. A
0: misdirect. Yeah. I think there's way better passages. I think he – I hope he hasn't <laughs> preached that message out of Isaiah 51. I just can't see it in there. If if I'm wrong, send me a note. Let me know if you think – I if I'm crazy. But I do not see – Total depravity um, in Isaiah fifty-one, one through
1: three. I I, just, I agree with it's, you. It's not there. The next clip that we're going to play is, is of Piper. Now um, they didn't. I can. I bet I can tell what happened. Maybe I'm wrong on this, and I, I have no knowledge of this whatsoever. This is just my my daydreams getting away with me. Uh, I, I Piper was not in this movie except for clips of him uh, preaching. Oh, and as a younger man, too, and, and as, as, he, as an old. They had him young and, and old. A, yeah, and uh, you know one of the things that they're saying now, I think I take a little bit different um, take on this. I, I went back and I watched it probably four four times, and I tried to get some of the context of this as well to to see if we could really see what the what the movie was trying to say about this clip. Um, I have a feeling that Piper was probably too busy or unable to give in an, an actual interview. Uh, Piper is looked at as, as one of the heroes of the, uh, what is it? Young restless and reform movement. Um, and you know, a lot of people in this movie and at this point in the movie, at this point in the documentary, all these people are saying, you know, uh, he has multiple clips in a row, of, oh, you know, Piper, 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 Piper. I listened to Piper and, and you know, uh, he was, he was, uh, you know, he was, it was like radically new from everybody else and all that, you know. So they're really trying to show how John Piper was this, uh, was this voice that really kind of sparked uh, an insurgence of, of people coming to Calvinistic theology. I think you took this different than me.
2: And the reason
1: reason why is because what you're going to hear in this, in this clip for those listening is Piper is really emphasizing it in uh, the Genesis passage where uh, Joseph says, you meant it, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. But I think the way that you took it is that the documentary is putting, or, or Piper is putting a, uh, a term behind it but i don't think that's the point of the clip they never okay. he, they never explain what it is piper never yeah, but ex- he says
0: it it it,
1: or something he does this he yeah, hammers but it, on this it i know but if you listen right after that the point that is made is piper was pa- is passionate in his preaching this is a point where he gets really passionate about it we don't know what he's pr- preaching on uh, that's how i took it let's listen to the clip i i I pulled a minute and 29 seconds in total of this.
2: John Piper. John Piper. John Piper. John Piper is the preacher theologian of this movement. Dr. Piper, God used to reshape the way that I see the world in terms of God, his sovereignty and might and power, his commitment to the glory of his own fame in the world. His sovereignty over the world and in terms of God's purpose in creating me
0: so Genesis 50 verse 20 you meant it for evil but God meant it for good don't let any preacher tell you it
2: means you As if you're gonna get God off the hook for meaning it, you
0: wicked brothers of mine meant it for evil,
2: meant it, meant it, 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 the evil, meant it, meant it. God, same word, meant it, meant it, it, evil, meant it for good. That's i could just go home now
1: what draws people is his passion okay see so now they go into his passion they never explain what he's preaching about there that's how i took it
0: oh well i am taking it there this is uh, an advocacy for sovereignty Oh, no, you're right. I, I agree with you. They did not pause and then say this is he's preaching. Hear him preach about the sovereignty of God using exodus or, or uh, Genesis fifty verse twenty you're right uh, that fair enough he didn't they didn't actually say that. they're bringing about his passion, so you know I would but you I could would, be
1: right maybe maybe that's what Piper was preaching on if because this would be a good verse to
0: do that with, but my point is he's the way he's reading it, the word it." makes it sound like it's the same thing and there were two different intentions on it. And that's, I don't read that. Uh, that's not really the way it re- sounds to me. And again, I'll, I'm giving you my opinion, and if you think I'm crazy, then let me know. But if you look at the Hebrew, because he's saying same word, and it's true that the word lachashov, to consider, to think, um, is used. It's not the word "use," and he makes that point, and that's correct. God used evil to do good. That's not what he's saying. So, or that's not what uh, Piper is saying. If you hear a preacher saying God used evil to accomplish good, don't believe him. I agree with Piper on that. That's that's true. It's the it 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 thing that I got because it says Vatem Hashavtem Alai Raah. You reckoned concerning me evil. You thought evil about me. That's literally the first phrase. You thought evil about me. There's no it. There's no, there's no direct object. The direct object is in the second phrase. Elohim chashavah letovah. Elohim considered it good so that he would do, uh, so what he has done as this day to save many people. In other words, God was going to deliver people, and He was going to use Joseph to do it. That a, is, yeah. In other words, that's you, what's going to You
1: threw me into a pit because because uh, because you, you hated, hated me. me. But God yeah. had you throw me into a pit to save. There's a larger everyone. kind of story here. So
0: maybe I'm maybe I'm right. Of course, I'm right. No, you know, I could totally be misunderstanding Dr. Piper here. I think he is passionate. I think he's got a great passion. I've been blessed by his passion, even last year in San Antonio in his preaching yeah. Yeah. on purity of heart. Um, I would just I, – I didn't – the way he was going it, 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 back and forth there, to me – Missed the mark. Just kind of distracted and it, and it sounded kind of confusing.
1: Um, that's, you know, that's all I have to say there. Can we pause for a second? You referenced yeah. my, my – uh, one of our sound clips. <laughs> and we've we've had several criticisms. You know, one of the things about this show when when people, I think a lot of people don't realize, we take criticism extremely seriously. When people And we as- receive it. Yeah, and we, we receive, receive it. it. And when and when people, especially people re- we respect and we like, um tell us something, uh it doesn't it's not just like a oh okay whatever. Uh we have not only uh, the team of people at Tour Resource who look at the criticism that we get, but also we have people that will ask outside of Torah Resource that aren't even Messianic that uh, we, we will go to and ask if they think that we've crossed any kind of a line or anything like that. One of the criticisms that we got from several people now is that the soundboard that we have has too many sounds that sound as if they are mocking so I've gone through and I've taken out almost every sound clip that we have. I have uh, a couple of songs, our Mail Time song, our self-centered song. And the la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. And, yeah. and, and keep that one. Yeah, that's... I, I saved that one. Uh, you've Been Blessed, The Hoff Goes can we Off. Just li- can we listen to that one? <laughs> just to... We can always <laughs> listen to that one. <laughs> Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show?
2: Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered.
1: I I only saved two voice clips in total. Uh, I took every other voice clip out. And I'll, I'll show you why I saved the two. I didn't think that, I mean, yeah. Here's, here's the two voice clips that I saved. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> and then also.
2: I can't believe we already discussed this.
1: Those are the two audio clips, or the voice clips I saved. Besides that, everything is sound effects. I got a harp, I can have suspenseful music. Anyway, so I don't even have the clip any more that you referenced. Let's okay. keep going. Okay. Um, there's, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of clips uh, that we have left from, from what you pulled. Here's one. Uh, now, I can't remember what clip this is. This is one of two clips. Let's take a listen, and, and then we'll discuss it.
0: We need a, a reformation in, in terms of ecclesiology. Um, when we see younger people that are,
2: are very much interested in listening to Reformed preachers you know, on YouTube, sitting in a coffee shop on the Lord's Day, and they're not immersed into the life of a local church. They're not under authority in a local church, but they call themselves Reformed. They call themselves, you know, a Calvinist.
1: I don't. Okay, hang on just a I want to pause right there. Now, you wanted me to clip this, I think, because of the phrase Lord's Day. They're sitting well, on—
0: that, In parallel with the other one where they talk about the Lord's Day is— it's coming across that the Lord's day and they say from Sunday to Sunday. So the idea of someone in a coffee shop watching a preaching on a YouTube on the Lord's day is, and they want to call themselves reform. They're taking issue with that person, right? That's, that's what I took away from that. Um, Did did you take away something different from that clip?
1: Well, you know, honestly, when it comes to Christianity, I just expect that, um, you know, in mainstream Christianity—now, this is starting to change. We're starting to see a change. People are coming back to the truth of of a uh, Saturday Shabbat and keeping that Saturday Shabbat, right? We see people coming out of Christianity, and not out of Christianity. I should not even say out of Christianity. That's not even a good representation. We see people within Christianity coming to the belief that the Sabbath should be kept and that we should keep it on a Saturday. But as a whole, and especially among mainstream Christian preachers, um, you know, I, it's just assumed that God changed the Sabbath to Sunday. Right. And therefore, they call it the Lord's Day. And therefore, this is what they're going to refer to. No, I, you know, I, I expect that from Christianity. And therefore, I, I, expect it, I would expect it in something like this. So therefore, it didn't, I mean, it bothers me, obviously. That, uh, Did you get the sense that the idea of,
0: of being in the coffee shop was a transgression? Yes, absolutely. Because and of because of what day of the week it was. In other words, if they were watching videos and sipping coffee Monday through Saturday, they they wouldn't have a quibble.
1: Yes, but I think the point is not that it's a Sunday Sabbath. I it's think that it's that a, that's where
0: the gathering of the body is.
1: It's it's that you need to be part of a community. And that you need to be part, and in this case, they're going to say church, what they mean by church, in the beginning of this documentary, uh, I think Washer even says, uh, he says, you know, we have to be careful about how we cla- what we classify as the body of Christ. In other words, the, you know, the ecclesia is what he's talking about. What is church, in other words, is what he's saying. Now, what is so hard-hitting about this is that you're right, Washer's comment after this has to be taken into consideration. And boy, is this a, uh, this is a bold, bold statement from Washer. Listen to what he says. Now, I'm going to rewind this a little bit so we get this other guy coming into Washer's statement.
2: ...themselves reformed. They call themselves, you know, a Calvinist. I don't care if you're hearing the greatest preachers in the world every day on YouTube. I don't care if you're giving your body to be burned or offering everything you have to the poor. If you are not a viable, serving, dedicated, devoted member to a visible local church. You are outside of the will of God.
1: Oh, some pretty intense words. Here's the thing is that, I mean, and this could be probably be a show in and of itself. Do we agree with Washer on this? Because you know what? A piece of me has to say, yes, I agree with Paul Washer on this. And the reason why is because Yeshua says I will build my ecclesia now mm-hmm. as quickly as I say that we got people in the chat room we got people you know all over the the nation and outside of the nation that are in remote places they don't have a community a viable community around them and I don't think that a community necessarily means a ch- uh, you know a, a little white church with a steeple and you got to go into your church every Sunday no 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 a community could be your family with another family sitting down and studying the word every week right. Mm-hmm. We don't, have a, we don't have a definition of what a community is. But one of the things that we do see, and this happens even, you know, one, uh, Beit Halel, the congregation I go to, they're very leery about broadcasting the service on the internet. And the reason why is because they don't want people to get comfortable with the idea that this is my community. I can sit in my bed on Shabbat and I can, I can watch online and I'm part of, you know, I'm part of the community. Right. The commu the Ecclesia is not a physical building.
0: It's a network of people. A network, uh, it's lives that are tied together, people who will share their deepest struggles with one another, pray and fast for each other. Like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pray, let's pray and fast together. Um, someone bringing, hey, my extended family has this kind of, uh, just difficult situation and and we rally together, we pray, we, we go help out, we make meals. We, you know, the, it, having them, the physical meeting is important, but that's not what the Ecclesia is because if you take that building away, this is one thing that my good friend, Adam always points out The you know what an Ecclesia is that if the building's gone, the people the networks, are still there, the people are, the network of people are still in touch. Right, they're still praying for each other. They're still sharing stories. Even if they move, if someone moves, they're still in touch in that relational connection. That is the building of the ecclesia because those are bonds that are going to last, you know, into eternity. Right. That's that is the core piece. We're not talking about, like you said, a little white church with the steeple. You know, Um, good, good.
1: Well, uh, so Lois says some interesting things here. She says, "Why is why won't this?" Anyway, okay. Uh, Lois says some interesting things here. She says, Washer will not accept donations to his ministry if you aren't first tithing to a local fellowship. That's interesting. And she also says, not according to Washer. Home churches don't count unless they have a pastor authority. Well, you know Wait, what? does she say according to him or not according? Uh, uh, according to Paul Washer, uh, a home church mm-hmm. doesn't count unless they have a pastor or authority. I tend to agree with that. Well, they have to have someone who's who's
0: responsible for exegeting the scriptures, and not only that, for, but for even being
1: immersed in, in the word and making sure, you know, basic, basic. But that tends to yeah. happen. That tends to happen in home churches. No matter, and I've seen this m- numerous times. If you There's have so-
0: home many home churches that split, uh, you know, you got people getting together and then. They have a dispute and it splits. You if you know, have two that families
1: happens. that are getting together, what naturally tends to happen usually, and this isn't across the board, but usually what tends to happen if you have two churches that are or two families that are getting together as a study, both the dads and the families usually tend to take up that leadership role, right? And they're seen as the leaders. I mean, even you know, I have a, a Bible study uh, that that uh, I started with a couple of guys, and from the very beginning what we did was we established the authority of that Bible study. That was the very first thing we did. There's three of us. Now, now there's other people who have come to the Bible study, but essentially us, the, the three guys who got together and just, you know, we established some ground rules and, and that's how, how it goes. Mm. So I, I tend to agree with washer on this. I think we need to be careful, uh, you know, obviously there's people, there are circumstances, but I, th- I think that if you don't have a community and you're in a place where there isn't a, a viable community, you should be actively trying to, the, the, even before the internet, this, this same thing happened, right? My dad said, well, people would stay at home and they didn't have anybody to, they didn't have anywhere to go, what would they do? They'd read Spurgeon, they'd read Spurgeon's, uh, you know, books on, on Sunday. Right. So the internet didn't you know, didn't spawn this. This has been going on for, for a very long time. I think that even if you're in a remote place, it's important to try to continue to pray and ask God to build a community where you are. Okay, let's keep going. Now this was probably the most controversial part of, and probably one of the biggest criticisms I have of this uh, of this uh, documentary, Calvinist. Rob and I both wanted the same clip. We both pulled the same clip. And here it is. The confession itself is not our authority. Scripture is our authority.
0: In fact, the first article in most confessions uh, is about the authority and sufficiency of Scripture.
2: While those confessions are not the standard, they represent the life and labor of believers who were filled with the Spirit of God, who spent their lives pouring over this book. And so, for someone to toss out the confessions as irrelevant and not necessary is to deny that he has been working in the people of God for 2,000 years.
1: Okay, that so,
0: last argument—you could all you have to do is change it to rabbis and Talmud, and you have the same argument.
1: Well, not only that, but uh, a oral, oral Torah. The very next you thing that I mean? they—the very next thing that the film mm. does—is cut to somebody who then mentions a bunch of the confessions, but the confessions that they. Uh, that they mention none of them are from the past 2000 years they're from the reformation they're from the past 400 500, years. Yeah, yeah. 4 500 yeah 4 500 years yeah so he says the past 2000 years well no a lot of the creeds and a lot of the councils that came from the past 2000 years are catholic and this certainly is one of the the uh, the places where i think that this documentary missed the mark and Jeff Durbin is the one who made that, co- that comment, that last comment. Jeff Durbin is, um, he's, he's with uh, Apologia, and uh, he has a, a talk show. And actually, to be honest with you, I think Jeff Durbin is doing some great work for the kingdom. I disagree with him, obviously, on some things. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he's uh, got a ferv- fervor for the word. It felt, back to the
0: overall production, it felt like this clip— Pardon me on the confessionals, because it's only it's like a minute and a half to two minutes. It's like it. They had to put it. We want to put something about the confessionals in the movie. And we're not sure where to put it. Yeah. So all of a sudden they put it, and they have this section for the confessionals, and then they're back to a, a and they're back on a different topic having to do with.
1: Um, it's like the adulterous woman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We don't know where to put it. Maybe it's at the end of Luke. Maybe <clears throat> it's in Mark. We don't. We don't know. Anyway. <laughs> It's important.
0: Here's what is important. It's important that God's people are immersed in the word and are writing and preaching about it and saying what they believe. Because the guy, I don't, again, forgive me, one of the first voices in the confessional segment there is, okay, you say, Americans all over will say, I believe the Bible. But what do you believe when you say you believe the Bible? What do you believe about the Bible when you say that? And that he says that the confessionals are like staking a. Uh, a flag and claiming territory, say, this is what I mean. And I'm standing by an interpretation and, and I can boil down or codify that interpretation in some sort of text that then we'll have a bunch of people read this text and we all agree. So it's a fruit of preaching and, and teaching of God's word and, and exegesis, no doubt. But the way it was so narrowly focused that it left out, you know all the people, like you know, what about just the Greek language or the Hebrew language, and all the efforts of God's people to um, learn the languages of the Bible better and to learn the history better and to learn, um, or missionaries. There's so God works in the building of His ecclesia in all these different realms, and um, I think the uh, teaching and preaching of the Word from people who are anchored in the original languages, anchored in the word is core. And that's, that's the good thing behind these confessionals. But the confessional also has to do what the us versus them. It's like, we are this and we're not like the other guys, right? Like for me, I grew up in this, this Lutheran confet, they called it the Lutheran confession. You know, they didn't have, the, they didn't even mention the Lutheran confession, uh, different confessions on this movie, right? Cause that's a different strain than, than Calvinist. Um, so the, by the confession is meant like a doctrinal body of, or text, it's text, that is put together to say, this was, is what differentiates us from others. And with, if we go back to the bigger picture of always reforming, that we're always learning, we're not gonna arrive, but we're always moving forward to be more fruitful, that we can't hold to any, any of these things are really temporary traditions of men, built on the best efforts of God's people during that time but for us to go and and you know it we have to just uphold the the bible um first and foremost and um and so anyway this the segment you know like I was thinking maybe not show it but you're right you can show it and then talk about it you know
1: well actually I think that you know one of the things about the confessions um and not only the confessions, but the catechisms, right? So, which are a form of the confessions. Um, but, you know, like the Heidelberg Confession. <laughs> there's some great material in there. And uh, there are things in that um, that... Uh, it's, it's thick theology, right? It's, it's not it's, only thick theology, but it's things that, as a child, you learn. Um, you know, I was, I was taught parts of the uh, Westminster Catechism as a, as a young child, as a very young child. You know, maybe six, seven years old. Those things still stick in my mind. You know, the, there there are answers to those, so um, and and good things. Not all of it is necessarily, but okay. Let's keep going. We have just a couple more clips, actually four clips in total that we uh, that we need to get to. Uh, this one is titled "Jump the Wall." And I'm not sure if we agree on this or not.
2: If we are genuinely Reformed, it is because we believe Reformed to be a suitable nickname, an adequate summary of what the Bible teaches about key points of doctrine and about a particular world and life view. But we have a completely different
1: perspective. We don't have the perspective of, of the majority culture. We're,
2: we're minorities. And, um... And the truth is the truth. So we're going to embrace it. But we're also, once we step into the room, we're going to acknowledge that, wait a second, <laughs> this is not, we're not talking about cultural neutrality here. Like there's a culture in
1: this room and, and it's not our culture. So we have to leap over a wall to participate
2: in this room, but we're here. Hi, hi, <laughs> you ready? You ready for us?
0: Yeah, I love, I lo- that's Shylin. who's yeah. a rapper. Uh, and if you listen to his, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't know much about hip hop. You know, I grew up listening to a different style of music, but I've listened to enough of his stuff to hear. It is just intense rap, but it's absolutely grounded in scripture. I mean, he's pushing sovereignty of God to prep, you know, he's pushing Tulip almost at, at every point. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty pretty cool. Um, and he's coming from, you know, the black culture in America saying, you know, look, we have um, – uh, we're a minority culture. And just like the – forgive me again. I don't know the name of the preacher, African-American preacher before that, saying reformed is a shorthand word for uh, – and he says it's an, it's an acceptable – or adequate. He uses the word adequate. I totally agree. It's an adequate shorthand for describing biblical, sound biblical theology, um, and so the the point here of of these voices from from marginal uh, uh, cultures is that they are saying, "Look, we we see ourselves as in agreement with what is called core." reform uh tradition and and we agree that it is the you know the sound approach to reading the scriptures and, and to understanding them however they're also saying there are cultural differences that we can't ignore but we are we, we see our unity is going to be big enough to embrace these cultural differences and the call here is discernment, again, between the traditions of man and the Word of God, right? And, and Yeshua has the highest standard for us, right? Yeshua doesn't say, I want you guys to be C plus disciples, right? No, his standard is, is the top standard, is the Torah of the Messiah. That means that we aim for accurate, precise differentiation between the Word of God and and the tradition of men. And that's, that's a super, super high calling. And that's the trajectory. That's the star we steer by while we're, we're pursuing our, while we pursue him and we pursue righteousness in this world is that that's a core differentiation and other, you know, in, for example, in Orthodox Judaism, you don't have that. You don't have that. It's all Torah, right? You can't, you know, you're, you're no longer orthodox if you start saying, well, I you know, the Holocaust is a tradition of man and it's not obligatory. Right? If you start saying that, well, you've just excused yourself from that society. And what I love about Shylin's point is that he's saying, look, um, it's a beautiful thing. These are beautiful doctrines and they unite and they're, they're bigger than any one culture. And so the the elite white guys that European white guys that were some of the original voices of this need to uh, continue to be reformed too, right? And, and, and start to discern baggage that doesn't belong as part of that reform thing. And so when his perspective is coming in as a minority, he says there's a a bit of a wall there that they have to jump over. Um, And it, it could be because there's a sense of maybe uh, numbness, maybe on the,
1: on that and and so I don't know Caleb, what are you what are your thoughts? You know I I, I listened to it twice because the first time I listened to it I thought I took the take that you you took. The second time I listened to it, I wondered if what he's really talking about is the minority of being reform in general, as opposed to Armenian. In other words, when we're in a room. Th- oh, the room weird. is part predominantly Arminian. we have a wall to jump over in terms of reformed theology just to be able to be a part of the conversation so oh uh, cuz he said that he he t- they talked about social
0: injustice the whole setup with the diamond was yeah. that that there was th- that social injustice had even been expressed within reformed tradition and how yeah. that's a tradition of man that needs right. to be weeded out
1: and, so no, I, I, tell, I, I think you, you might be right. And, and since you took that take on it, I think, that's, uh, I think you're probably right. Okay, let's move on. Let's keep going to the next, uh, next clip.
0: The most important thing we can do in our lives is to fulfill the purpose for which we were created, which is to worship God.
2: When we gather on the Lord's Day, Sunday after Sunday. We seek to worship him in accordance with his word. And that means that everything that we do finds a positive warrant in the Word of God, either through command or example or principle. Uh, that we want our worship to be radically biblical.
0: I agree with everything he said, except he's. We see the institution of that Lord's Day kind of thing, and that is part of the tradition of man that has not yet fully been discerned in, in the circles that produce this movie. They're going to come up, if you mentioned, well, what about Shabbat? They're going to, it's almost absolutely predictable play by play what they're going to say, right? I mean, it's, it's, there's a programmed response that is going to be extra biblical. And they might cite, oh, well, in Revelation, he says, you know, and I was on the Lord's day or in Acts 16, it said, you know, on the Lord's or the first day of the week, you know, and it's like, uh, really? So again, I think that there's a lot of good stuff here to build with within one Torah, whatever we call that. Um, but I think there are, we're gonna see these things that pop out to us that a person who's, let's say just coming from a megachurch and they watch this movie and they're super excited and they go to the cage stage i i do oh that's something i really appreciate that was one of the best they did spend time on what they call the 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 cage stage cage stage yeah and how it's like once a person i've been in that stage yeah convicted concerning the the doctrines of grace they need to be caged for a couple years while they you know prevented from hammering other people with it because they're overly zealous. You know, and all these guys are, I remember when I was in the cage days. Yeah. I remember when I was in, so I, I really
1: appreciated how there was a laughing at themselves. And, uh... Okay, and hey, hang, on, hang on, though, because going back to this clip on worship, you know, one of the things that I I appreciate about this documentary, and one of the things that I appreciate about what the, one of the things that they showed, and, you know, they have Summer White uh, in, in the... Uh, you know, as one of the people talking, and for those I who never listened,
0: she does a podcast, right, or something. Yeah, I never the, she
1: sheologans instead of the theologians. Theologians, it's sheologians, oh. um, yeah. and uh, they. <laughs> The one I listened to, she was like, we put the her in hermeneutics. Um, yes, I like, I like Um, You know, idea. it's it's James White's daughter. and uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so, I mean, she's, you know, she comes from a, a tradition of, of apologetics. Um, so Summer White, I think she kind of talks about this a little bit, too, is that, you know, within christianity it's like the the younger kids the younger generation and the younger pastors right this paul washer and john piper they they come up and they're looking they're not looking for the let's go to church on sundays and and we'll put in our time and that's it no they're looking for 7 day a week relationship with god and what and what ultimately comes from that is a want to be a want of discipline and a want of of uh, action. I want to, you know, they want to do things for God. And this is essentially where a a lot of the young, the vibrant youth come into the Calvinistic uh, theology. And um, what I think about that is that once again, this is the, you know, what the Torah movement is. Is essentially coming from the same place, and we can see the Reformation. If the Messianic and Hebrew roots movement, will the pendulum will swing back from errant theology of of denying the deity of the Messiah, of giving up on sola scriptura, on giving up on uh, sola fide, on rejecting things like the doctrines of grace. If we can if we can swing back to good solid biblical theology, then the next step naturally will be. Sanctification through God's word, which is Torah. In other words, the natural progression of the Reformation is not just we're, we are justified by faith alone, by grace from God, from God, not of us, but from God. Now, the next step is how do we, What is what is the sanctification step? And the sanctification step is? Torah. And actually, that's where I want to go with my clip. Now, that was the end of uh, Rob's clips. I have two clips. This first one is on Outlook. This is right in the beginning of the of the documentary. This is when they bring in Rob Bell, you know, a clip from Rob Bell, and they're kind of showing these these other people who are, eh, you know, these, oh, just love everybody. Everyone's going to be saved. It, just love everybody, and, and we're good. Um, And then, and this is kind of what they're showing. Now, people didn't, you know, the younger generation didn't like that, they went to the Internet to go looking for answers, and they found He's talking about the younger generation when he says they went to the, to the Internet.
2: ...to go looking for answers, and they found people engaging, interacting. Two alternatives sprang out. The first was the emerging church. They had leaders like Brian McLaren, of course. Brian McLaren, whose theology was, was very liberal, revisionist.
0: I think there's this feeling that in some ways Christianity has been, has distorted Jesus and distorted the message of Jesus, and so there's this sense that, boy, we wish we could get
2: to the bottom of what Jesus' message uh, really was about. The idea was, if we don't change our theology, then the church is going to be lost. Many in the emerging church were communicating that our biggest problem is that the historic Christian faith is simply outdated.
0: What gets subtly sort of caught and taught is that
2: Jesus rescues you from God. But what kind of God is that, that we would need to be rescued from this God? This
0: is why lots of people want nothing to do with the Christian faith. They see it as an endless list of absurdities and inconsistencies, and they say, why would I ever want to be a part of that?
1: Option one was to say that we've been too dogmatic for too long, and it's time to tear
2: up the foundation and start over from scratch. But there was another option.
1: Okay, so basically what he's setting up here is there's two options. There's we've been too dogmatic, we need to love everybody and let everything go, and we don't need any, you know, there doesn't need to be any real uh, accountability here. And then the other option is reform theology. And this is actually what Dr. Flowers has a problem with. Um, But what I see, and I actually wrote this down just to try to put my my thoughts... um, uh, more into, you know, I said, our, um, one of my criticisms of the movie I would have is that while they do show that the Arminian theology to be one that constantly needs to be worried about, am I doing enough? In other words, if I don't share the gospel with this person, will God, you know, they could be lost forever. That's on me. You know, this person is going to hell because I didn't say the right words or I didn't bring up, you know, I. I brought up Romans instead of Ephesians 2 or, you know, what missteps did I make? So that's kind of one of the worries of, of Arminian theology. And am I doing enough? Can I, am I losing my salvation? And, I, and, I've, and
0: I've heard this, no kidding, no kidding, that there's the, there's the great Bema seat. Have you heard the great Bema seat preach? Mm-hmm. Uh, the great Bema seat of Christ is the judgment seat is when you're a believer and when you go to heaven, God's going to show you all the people that are going to hell because you didn't preach to them. Yeah. And so, you're going to have to stand before the beam of seed of God and watch all those souls. So in other words, your first day in heaven is going to be God before, showing you yeah. all the places you failed and the eternal consequences of that failure. I'm just like, they use this kind of message to leverage people into like some sort of action.
1: So, So the the point of this documentary i think is or one of the points made in this documentary is the view of calvinism as opposed to that is that i am free to serve god in other words the weight is lifted and now i serve him because he saved me while this is certainly true there's more to it than this i don't just serve god because he because he saved me in other words I don't love my wife and, and I'm not in a constant relationship covenant relationship with my wife just because she, you know, she said yes, or, you know, put it the other way around. My wife doesn't love me because I saw her and thought, Ooh, yeah. You know, she's, she's good looking. I'm going to pursue her. No, that's not, that's not how it works. And Although God is the one who initiated relationship with me, God is the one who turned me to him, he is the one who did all this, it's because of his grace that I am saved, I believe that there needs to be a much bigger emphasis on covenant relationship. My relationship with God is like a marriage. It's the fact that every day I am Wanting to serve God because he loves me and I love him. It's this romantic love story of the fact that there's this want and this need to be able to serve God. And it's not because it's not because, you know, I don't do good things just because, oh, he saved me from hell. And I'm not saying that that's what this this uh, documentary is necessarily saying. It's that there's not enough em- emphasis on this covenantal relationship, on this relationship of this mutual uh love story of God loved me first and now i you know i love god so much and i'm going to do everything possible to 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 please him and to you know we you know i enjoy god i enjoy god because he is he's he's given me grace you actually
0: see him as your father and you are his child and that's your core family yeah. right that you're part of this this is who you are yeah, you're a family exactly. member you're a family member and you Your heart's desire is wired to to just bask in the blessing of being in the family and then to be and just to learn to be in that family and to act according to the blessings that are that that are there for us.
1: This past week, I uh, uh, this is going to tie into the last clip that I have, and this last clip is from Flowers. It's uh, Doctor Flowers, and uh, the so this is a criticism. This is a the criticism, movie, right? and from from this a, is a Arminian. Yeah, he's an ex-Calvinist become Arminian. He reviewed Calvi- uh, Calvin. Maybe he'll do a movie called Ex-Calvinist. <laughs> Maybe, um, and uh, so you know, I've already kind of given my criticism of his review, um, but this is something that really caught my attention in the very beginning. Um, This last week I found out that uh, Someone that I know personally Who's been to Beit Hillel before the congregation I go to, um, somebody I've Worshipped with, uh, has denied the Messiah and uh, is Very, very uh, Agitated and Fervent in trying to turn People away from Yeshua and Saying that uh, Yeshua is a a False Messiah, a false prophet um, And that he's cursed and anyone Who follows him is cursed and all these things. It was, it, was a, it was a sad thing, not only to see him fall away, but to see him now attempt to bring other, you know, bring other people down with him. And that made me think, when, when uh, Dr. Flowers says this comment, uh, the first thing I thought of was, man, uh, if you think
2: that, well, listen to it first. He's giving this didactic teaching. The reason you're not believing is because you have closed your eyes.
1: I apologize. I should also said he's talking about Acts 28, 23 and following when Paul is now uh, trying to. The very end of Acts. Yeah. yeah, the very end of Acts. Okay. So that's what he's talking
2: about. This, this is what he's referencing here. He's giving this didactic teaching The reason you're not believing is because You have closed your eyes Your heart has grown calloused Otherwise you might see, hear, turn and understand and believe Therefore I want you to know That God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles And they will listen What's the difference between Jew and Gentile? They're both sinful They're both corrupt Just like the child and the old man They're both corrupt They're both sinful Okay, We're not debating that The difference between the two is One is hardened and calloused And the other one is not that's the distinction between the two. And when you start off with the heart already hardened and, it, you know, the, the stone breaks away only with effectual regeneration of this irresistible grace, then you have the premise of Calvinism and the premise is wrong. The entire theological system of Calvinism is built upon the T total inability. The way that I took this and maybe I took it wrong, but the
1: way that I took this is that he's saying the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles is that the Jews had their heart, that they're not calloused. The Gentiles are not callous. The Gentiles...
0: Right? Yeah. I think that's what he's saying.
1: Is that what he's saying? Okay, maybe I misunderstood that the,
0: him. That the Gentiles are not calloused and the Jews are. I think that's how he's... Unless I misunderstood what yeah, he's maybe trying, right. th- maybe trying right. to say.
1: Okay, maybe I took it wrong. So how did, how did you hear it? I heard it the other way around, that he was saying that the Jews were not callous, but the Christians were. Or that the uh, Gentiles were. But I think now that, now that you say that, I think you're right. Yeah, because at the end of Acts it says
0: um, that Jews came day by day to see Paul when he was in prison, right? And he would teach them both from the Torah of Moses and from the prophets, morning until evening, um, because they wanted to come and hear. You know, Jews wanted to come hear it from Paul. And then it said uh, some were being persuaded, others would not believe. So some, when Paul's word among these. Uh, Jews in Rome who were coming to visit him, some of them believed, some of them rejected. And then um, he quotes Isaiah. Yeah. To those who are not, you know, you, those that you don't believe. This is, you know, Isaiah, this is just according to plan. Yeshua actually quotes this same passage from Isaiah 6 when he's talking about the sower goes out to sow, you know, not every place the seed goes will produce fruit. Only the stuff
1: that's in the good ground will Yeah, I, 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 think so. I, I think I misheard him. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I think his review was – I think his review fell short because honestly the biggest criticism that he has is about the way that the film made Arminian theology look. That's his biggest criticism, um,
0: which – I mean – well, he says the, t- co- the core premise of Calvinism is the T, total depravity, yeah. total inability. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's the that's the dead yeah. person. And yeah, exactly. someone, I don't remember who it was. I saw it. It was really uh, uh, nicely put in Mangus. our— in Oh, our, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Terry. Terry, yeah, Terry in our yeah. soundboard today, or sound—or uh, what do you call chat it? Room. Chat, chat room. Chat room, thank you. Dead people can't do anything. Just ask one. Yeah. You know, when Paul says you were dead, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Not one chooses God. Yep. Not one. Okay. <clears throat> that's all, whatever you want to call it, reformed, if you want to call it Calvinism, whatever you, uh, that is what Paul would be saying. You you didn't, you're totally, that's total depravity. You, you're a sinner. You have inability. And I liked this, you know, Paul Washer did make this good point in the movie. He talks about Genesis thirty-seven, where it says, "And they hated him, and they were that is Joseph's brothers hated him, and they were not able to speak a good word about him, because of their their hatred. They were not to, they were not able to speak. Does it mean that they? And he makes this comment: Did they not speak Hebrew, or did they not speak ancient Semitic language? No, they spoke the language. They had the words. It, they were unable to speak anything good because hatred was at the core. And that's uh, the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You know, greatest commandment is to love. And we can't, the Calvinism is going to say that a person can't just hear that and just obey it on their own will. God has to activate, God has to put his spirit of his son into your hearts whereby, whereby you cry, Abba, Father, That's what Galatians says. That's what Romans says, that it's the, the, the living eternal, you know, resurrected son of God has, uh, it's his life in us, right? That's the life that is obedient. If we don't have that life, you could have the most beautiful religion in this world with the beautiful cathedrals or the beautiful synagogues and the beautiful stained glass windows. And, you know, the most beautiful melodies and chanting, but it's, it's not going to matter if you don't if you don't have the living yeah. Messiah in you, that's yeah. that's all going to go going to be gone.
1: Okay. Well, uh, once again, I I know that we've we've now taken about an hour to to give our criticism of the movie Calvinist. Um, however, once again, I can't uh, you know I I can't say enough good things about the film either. Yeah, I true. think that it is uh, well worth watching. I think. Uh, people, whether you agree with Cal, you know uh, Calvin theology or not, that's beyond the point. I think this is a, a very good uh, uh, film to watch. I recommend it. I recommend buying it so you can show it to other people and so that you can uh, watch it several times if you want. Um, it is it is very good. Um, okay, next week we have the week off, and why do we have the week off? We will be uh, sitting in lectures in Providence. Rhode Island uh, for the Evangelical Theological Society, and then we will go to Boston to uh, be at the Society of Biblical Literature. Please pray for us if you uh, remember to. We greatly appreciate any prayers that uh, we get uh, from our listeners and uh, travel
0: mercies, God's wisdom, step by step, uh, and just
1: the just the conversations that we have. You know, the, some of the world's leading scholars will be there. And um, it'll be just a, a – it's always a blessing, but uh, just the Lord would uh, guide the conversations and the meetups that we have with people. Uh, we're very, so are very, we excited for it. Are we
0: back then for the 22nd? Are we going to try to do a show on the day before Thanksgiving?
1: This is a, a great question. I think that we probably will try to do a show on Wednesday morning, um, the day before Thanksgiving. And what we'll do is we'll do a recap of the ETS-SBL. It might be a short show. Um and that's fine what you might yeah we'll I'll try to um send out show notes there probably won't be anything in the show notes except for a reminder that we'll have a show and uh, we'll try to we'll try to do something uh that day so yeah besides that i hope that this uh, has been a good review for people of the movie calvinist <clears throat> and uh yeah we're happy that we were able to give it And grateful that uh, we were able to see the movie as well. Um, And we look forward to uh, a great time in Providence and Boston. And uh, we covet your prayers. And yeah, we hope that uh, if you watch this movie, that you will be as blessed as we were to see it. And that you'll learn something from it. But ultimately, just like the clip that we played on worship, the ultimate goal is to do one thing. And that one thing is to glorify our great God and our great savior, Yeshua, the Messiah.